Greetings, listeners. Welcome to the Postgrad Cheat Sheet. This is the podcast where we dive into all the questions about transitioning into your professional career and all those difficult unspoken topics. My name is Dr. Maria Scott, and I'm a PR professional and a professor. Welcome to a new episode of the Postgrad Cheat Sheet. I am your host, Dr. Scott, and joining me today for all of season three are my co-hosts, Basha and Ananya. So today, I'd really like to cover some office behaviors, most of which are sort of scandalous or confusing or just things that we never really know how to deal with. So let's jump right in. In a previous episode in season one, I talked to Ashley about receiving bad news at work. And, you know, she really talked a lot about how she felt like her parents would probably shield her from that, but she would be upset and she'd be able to kind of work through it. So I just want to start by asking the question, have you ever cried at work or wanted to cry at work? And if you feel comfortable, please share those circumstances. Basha, you want to start? Um, yes, I definitely did at some point, but I don't think it was ever really work related. It was like rather something in my personal life. Last semester, I got very like upsetting and surprising news during my shift at work. I like almost had a panic attack. I cried in the bathroom for like 10 minutes or 15. Um, but then I kind of continued working. It was like pretty fortunate because I only had like an hour left of work. So then I just could go home later, but. Yeah, I relate, Pasha. This summer, I got a very long, and when I say long, I mean several scrolls worth long text. And it was right toward the end of my workday. And I literally had to step away and go to the bathroom and have my quick crying moment before I left. <laughs> Luckily, I knew that no one used this bathroom, and I was working kind of late, so people were gone anyway. So I took it over for my crying session, and it stayed private. All right. Well, first of all, I appreciate your candor and for sharing that. I know it's really hard to share personal experiences, especially now you just shared it with the world. I appreciate your honesty and your willingness to share. In your story, Ananya, you mentioned kind of being triggered by a lengthy text of a personal nature, I'm assuming, because you didn't mention that it was family or work related. You said it made you feel maybe overwhelmed. Um, was it hard for you to stay focused? You know, I know that you said you excused yourself to regroup but was it hard to stay focused did you go back to work did you leave right after like what happened then yeah perhaps foolishly i did try to just go back i was like oh i'll just go cry and then get right back to work it doesn't really work like that and yes the text was definitely from of, of personal nature it was not work related so i was trying to you know fill out a media list or whatever and i in my mind i'm like oh my god what do i say to this person i'm so upset Yes, so I did try and regroup really quickly, but I don't think I did it correctly. All right. Did you have any insights as you were kind of thinking back on that? Yeah, not at first. I didn't think of this as, I didn't know at first, but in retrospect, I definitely thought to myself, oh, I didn't know if this was an acceptable behavior, and that's why I didn't take time to regroup. Later on, I was thinking back to this article that I read as part of my breakthrough thinking class last semester, which mentioned that humans have over a hundred different types of emotions. And it made a really good point that we don't stop being human when we walk in through the office door, right? So now my focus is kind of moving toward regulating those emotions rather than suppressing them. Yeah, that's a really good point. And yeah, that article is dead on. In Basha, in your story, you mentioned, you know, taking the break and dealing with your emotions. 
were you plagued by sadness and frustration or anything that came to you throughout the day or how did you handle that um so i feel like it was enough for me in the moment and it was enough for me to be able to like come back to work for that one more hour and like try to focus for the remainder of the shift but like that situation was pretty serious so i definitely needed some more time like if i had the whole work day ahead of me i would definitely try to take that shift off or just take a personal day yeah that's a really good point and and actually a really good solution ananya in the article that you mentioned you talked about how we are all human and we have all these emotions and i think one of the important things to talk about is we know when emotions are brewing to the surface so you know in, in your case ananya you were reading this text and as you got to like page two of the scrolling that starts to brew up in you and i think that we all have to acknowledge that there is an outpouring of an emotion that can happen, but we wanna also ask ourselves if that outpouring of emotion actually bubbles all the way to the surface and then we act on it. So you're just sitting at your desk sobbing. What is the outcome to that? So, you know, are we being judged? Is it impacting others? Is there someone in another room who can hear you doing the <laughs> sniffles between your sobbing? like? I think it's important that you develop a strategy so that you can cope should something happen, should these strong emotions start to bubble up. We need to ask ourselves, okay, if I'm triggered and I know that this is something that's gonna make me sad, or in general, if you just know that you're someone who easily has emotions come to the surface, what do I need to do? Um, so if I'm triggered and it's sad and I'm at work, I may need to let coworkers know that I need a moment. So if it wasn't the whole like Ananya knows that it's like crickets in the bathroom and she can use it and there's no one else there, maybe that's not the case. Maybe your bathroom has a bunch of other people and now you're just the person sobbing in the stall next to them crying. That still does impact other people, right? Maybe then your solution is I need to exit the building. I need to go outside. I need to walk around a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I can put some sunglasses on if it's in the summer or if it's in a, a situation, like if it's in snowy winter, then I'm just going to pull the scarf way up and it's okay if I'm crying a little bit, but it's really more and getting to be able to think of other things, taking that 10 minutes that you said, Basha, or 15 minutes to be able to cr go and cry and let it out taking some deep breaths, maybe t drinking some water. All of these things are ways that you can cope with something. And then you're just gonna say, look, I'm gonna collect myself. And I know that I can go back to work and I can like get through the rest of my day. And while this will impact me, it won't impact me so much that I still can't be successful at what people are paying you know, me to do. Now that's very different than having a circumstance where something you can't recover from and that's where you may have to ask to take a half day or a personal day. Like, do either of you have an example of something that might be so detrimental to you that you're like, nope, I'm out. Like, I have to take a half day. Um, I think those can be very different for different people as they have like different triggering things. I can think definitely like a serious family emergency or just a serious situation that's happening or something that's requiring you to pay attention to it or deal with it right now that would be something where I think you would be able to leave but like is it okay to leave and like what do I say do I have to tell my coworkers exactly what the situation is mm -hmm. yeah that's a that's a really good question so it's kind of a yes no answer right in reality it's nobody's business what happens to you and what your personal life entails but for a supervisor to understand why you're opting to take a personal day. So like in other episodes, we've talked about the fact that the national average for sick days and personal days and stuff like that's about seven total days. 
So you're looking at a whole year only getting those days. You really got to parse them out and separate them out. If someone's really willing to say, hey, like I need a personal day or I have to go home and deal with this, they're probably going to need to know a little more than just that particular statement. And so I don't think you need to go into this really long conversation about how Nana had cancer and she's been suffering for six years. And, you know, we have 18 of her family members there around her bed. Like that's not necessarily everything that needs to be said. But I think a simple sentence of something like this, I apologize for asking this, but it's a bit of an urgent situation. My family just called and said that my grandmother's very sick and likely won't make it many more hours or even to tomorrow. So I really need to deal with this because my head and my heart are elsewhere right now and I'm really not gonna be any good use in the office. So I'd like to request to take the rest of the day off please, you know, do you have any questions for me? I, I don't see a lot of circumstances where a supervisor or a boss is going to be like, oh gosh, no, no, sorry, Nana, you have to stay here and work. Like that person's going to go down in history as like the most ruthless boss ever, right? <laughs> but I do think that you also need to know your personal standards. Like there's some people who can work through bad news from a family member or finding out that their dog has to be put down and like whatever. So it's really different for every person, but you also need to understand that your boss has a whole bunch of different people that they're supervising as well, right? And it's definitely something where they need to know just enough to understand why you're doing this, but not so much that it's invading your personal space. Does that help with that answer? Um, yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I can definitely see myself asking for a personal day. If it's a case of a big emergency, like I don't think I should have to force myself to stay if I'm not able to stay and I think sometimes just some things are more important than a day at work. Agreed. I'm kind of a little bit on the flip side of that in that I want to be very mindful of when I'm asking for a personal day because it's not bad to ask but I want to be sure that that makes sense for me to have. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not trying to read too much into this Ananya but I think what I also hear you saying is things that you know you have a limited supply right and you have to be really careful that that limited supply may run out and you may actually need that day for something that's bigger in your life. And while this is big, maybe it's something that with only four hours left in the day, you know that you can push through. And I think that that's, again, gonna be something that's just different per person. I wanna wrap up this crying discussion by saying that there are exaggerated emotions that you can have at work. Sometimes you can have a terrible day and I've literally had a workplace where someone didn't do the crying, they did the like excessive anger. And they came to work angry, which no one knew because their work wasn't really something where they had to have like long diatribe conversations with other people. They could kind of sit at a desk and work. So no one really knew this person was angry. They were always sort of a posturing person anyway. So you weren't gonna necessarily just tell from how hard their hands at the keyboard that that day they had this big underlying anger issue. And the first thing that kind of set the person off, they very loudly gave an answer. And it was a little on the like uncomfortable side for pretty much everyone in the room, but because everyone in the room also did the sort of prairie dog look over our cubicle at the person, like, hey, what's going on? It seemed to us like the person got the hint of, oh, maybe that was a little loud. Like maybe I should, you know, calm it down. But that is indeed not what happened. Then they got triggered later and the person stood up and threw a fit and actually threw things around the office to where it was very dramatic. It was probably very traumatic to some people, but it was definitely a circumstance where that person's emotions bubbled up 
and they didn't take that minute and it was something where even though i think at the time i was like the youngest or second youngest person in oh i actually think i was the youngest person in the whole room my answer to them was after that moment and they just stood there very angry and i said i think this is a moment where maybe you should excuse yourself go outside, breathe some fresh, fresh air, get a drink of water. Like, I don't know, but I don't think that being in here in an enclosed space with all of us when you're clearly very angry is the right move. And the person looked at me very angrily and they did leave. Uh, and they ended up coming back in. They never apologized. Like, obviously, then the bosses kind of had to take over and kind of smooth everything over. But it was just a very difficult situation. And it was just a different kind of an emotion that was bubbling over. I also had a student, uh, right when I first started teaching, she was one of my first students, called me a little after work one day and said, I have cried in my office once or twice a week, every week, not at my desk. Like she goes, I know better, I can't do that. She goes, also, I don't wanna show weakness. And when she said that, I was like, yikes, what sounds like the Hunger Games. What's happening? <laughs> What's happening at your office that I don't know about here? And she really ended up kind of saying, you know, I think my coworkers are intentionally harassing me and intentionally trying to make me feel unwanted and I, I don't have a voice and I don't feel heard and I don't feel that what I'm doing here is adding to anything. And and I said, well, go back to this whole, like I'm crying in my office every day. And I said, what's happening? And she said, no, I'm literally going into the bathroom, taking my break and kind of crying in the office. And she said, but it really came to a head today. And I said, okay, well, like what was the circumstance? And she said, well, one of my coworkers that was one of the main let's call a mean girl, bully, kind of whatever people, came into the bathroom, heard someone crying, made sort of the assumption that it was her, and actually then just intentionally stood in the bathroom continuing to talk about her, somewhat knowing she was the person in the stall crying. Wow. So following that day, and the reason I'm bringing this up is she got labeled as the unstable emotional girl in the office. And when people would talk, they would like hush their voices around her and be like, no, no, we can't say that because she might take it wrong and it's, you know what I mean? Like kind of indicating that she was very unstable. Her solution was to find another job, find a different place for employment. She didn't feel safe there. She didn't feel comfortable there, which is fine. But I think the reason I want to bring it up is because that label, that stigma, you could get terrible news that that four or five, whatever long screen like text that you got in a different circumstance, if that had happened at noon, it really could have caused you to accidentally shed a few tears sitting at your desk. And then for the rest of your time, that's a hard stigma to come back from of being labeled as the crying girl at your desk. Or in my other boss's circumstance, the angry guy in the office, you know what I mean? Like all those labels, even though we should be in a world where those labels don't happen, we're really not there yet. And I just want you all to think through the idea that like, sometimes these things do have consequences and it's really hard we wish they didn't um, and we wish we didn't have to have these things but it's good to talk about and it's good to know that these things can happen so i just gave a story about a lot of drama at work have either of you ever had situations where there was drama that happened in your office space definitely in school org settings never or i won't say never not as much in truly professional settings um, I would say yes. I feel like there's always some work drama. Um, sometimes it's not super crazy. Sometimes it's much more intense. In one of my recent jobs, um, a lot of people, or pretty much almost everyone in the office, they were talking a lot about their personal lives and bringing a lot of 
just things from their personal life to lives to the office and like sometimes it was fun to hear a fun story or something but sometimes it was a little too much i was like did i really need to know that like do i want to know everything about that person all right so I guess, Basha, my follow-up question for you would be, did you say anything? Like, when? So did you participate in the fun storytelling in your personal life? Like, did you were like, oh, I'm just the only one not doing this. I feel obligated to participate. I'm just going to share something fun. Um, I didn't feel super obligated to participate. It was kind of just an atmosphere of the whole workplace that people were sharing different things. I know a lot of the people within the office were friends, so they were just sharing some things from their personal lives. So sometimes I would participate in the conversations. I wouldn't share anything that I wouldn't be comfortable with. Um, I wouldn't also like stop them from sharing their stories. Um, so it's just kind of like in between. Okay, but that stuff is stuck in your head now, the stuff you wish you didn't know. It's kind of stuck there forever. So you have like a folder of TMI stuck in your head. So <laughs> Maybe not that intense, but yeah. All right. Like, <laughs> And Ananya, since yours is like school groups, that's a lot of friend groups too. So, and I understand sometimes that becomes a problem, but that is, you know, Ashley and I did a whole episode on being friends with your coworkers, you know, and that does become, and I mean, you just mentioned it, Basha, they're friends. That becomes a whole other thing of like, where do you draw those lines? What's appropriate conversation to have with your colleagues who are also your friends after work, during happy hour, and what's the part where you're supposed to have that conversation in the office or do you have any of those conversations in the office and i think that that's really the part where we have to find those separations and figure out what's appropriate and what's not yeah agreed like you said school orgs the ones that i'm part of they're made up of students and friend groups and it's so hard to draw that line between professional and personal i won't share any specifics but i'm sure that anyone who's been a part of a school org will understand that dynamic that I've been referring to and Basha kind of touched on a little bit too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how do you guys feel about like drama in the workplace and stuff? So my, I guess my question is, if there is drama and you want to avoid it, how do you go about doing that without like offending people or like, or is that just a part of it? No, no, no. I don't think you have to be offensive. I mean, I think it's a great question. I'd say that you can... You can decide who you want to be in an office. Like we were talking about personas in a previous episode and kind of fictional characters. You can write that narrative for yourself. And it's probably pretty important for you to learn how to write that narrative when you first start. It's really hard for you to start off as like a Marianne and turn into a ginger. Like that's a transformation that's a little weird. You just gave me a funny face. Do you not know what that reference is? Oh my God, it's to Gilligan's Island. I'm so sad. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, hopefully the rest of the people listening actually got a really big kick out of that because that just made me really, really sad. Anyway, the point of this is it's hard to start off on one path and then suddenly go. So from being the quiet girl and then going into like gossip girl, like that's really going to be a terrible transition for you to try to make because that wasn't who you presented yourself to be. So I think if you're going to do this, you kind of need to start off by setting a standard for yourself. Um, There's some pretty easy ways to do this. You can set a standard that you're just not the person who's going to engage in conversation. This doesn't mean that if four people are kind of water cooler conversation talking or doing a drama circle, like a drum circle, but a drama circle. This doesn't mean you have to be the person who like walks in with a patrol belt on and you're like waving flags and going, you guys have to stop this. Oh my God, this is bad behavior. Like that's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying that 
you know, when they say to you, how do you feel about this? What would you do? You can just be like, oh, well, I wasn't in her situation. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I feel comfortable giving her advice. You know what I mean? There's plenty of very polite ways to like not involve yourself. The key to it also, though, is if you don't want to be in that drama circle and ask to join the drama circle all the time, don't be gossiping on a regular basis. Don't be the person who says like, oh my God, I have this great piece of news for you. Did you hear this? You know what I mean? Because then you really are inadvertently one of the gossip girls in your office. And that's really tough for you to then say, well, I don't want to be a part of that conversation. I only want to be part of the conversations that I want to be able to control and say. So I think whatever you decide, whatever route you decide to go, it's really important for people to kind of start off on that foot. And then it's much easier for you to maintain. I will also say that like, I have found I was never really a water cooler conversation gossip kind of person in my office. And once people knew that they just didn't involve me, like it wasn't offensive me to me that they weren't involving me. And it wasn't weird for them. But they also knew that I wasn't going to be like, breaking up the conversation so like if they were sitting in our break room or we didn't have seats in our break room but if they were standing in like our break room and chit-chatting and i would walk through and get a coffee like they wouldn't stop the conversation and be like shh the hall monitor is here like that's not really what happened it would just be like they'd keep talking i would just walk through get my coffee and leave and there was just this unsaid rule of like i don't really care what you're talking about i'm not going to repeat it it doesn't really bother me but i'm also not going to engage either and it's polite of you to not ask me and it's polite of me to not repeat what you say and that's kind of our unspoken agreement and it worked out really well and the more that people got used to it the more comfortable the situation was to where it really never caused me any harm there were obviously things that i would hear that were less gossipy more somewhat related to people we worked with so when I think of gossip, I think of things that are like salacious or things that are not necessarily related to their work function. But there would be things that were related to someone's work function. But that to me is less salacious gossip, like this person's dating someone else, or did you hear that this person did this and or this whatever, and more like related to that person's job function. I still didn't feel super comfortable knowing those things before the other person was openly sharing them. But to me, that was less gossipy of something I heard than everything else that I think people would normally talk about. So what I do have another situation that's somewhat related, especially to what I just said, this person dating that person. But have you ever had a situation where someone brought like the person they were dating into the office or like the person they were interested in? Wait, what uh, what type of situation is that like if there's like a plus one and you bring a date or No, 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 no. Like that totally fine. Like of course. So what office is having a party and you get to bring a plus one, no one's really going to be like, "Oh, Basha brought a plus one." Like I wonder who that person is. I mean, they right. may ask you that like, "Could you introduce me to be polite?" But less of like, "Holy cow, this person brought a person." I'm literally talking about like the situation on Friends with Ross and Rachel, and he brings a picnic to the office. Uh, yeah, I know that scene. And uh, <laughs> honestly, that sounds kind of insane to me. And I think it's awkward for everyone. Like, it's awkward for your coworkers because there's like someone's date coming or like partner coming into the office like randomly. And then probably for your partner too, because it's like a new completely different environment like a different dynamic and I think for you that would be or like for me that would be very awkward too because mixing those like two almost like two worlds and someone from like 
my very personal life in my work office space i feel like that's very awkward like i can't imagine people actually doing that i can't either and honestly i mean you both know that i'm all for embracing the awkward and to be very candid there is a a small part of me that thinks that that kind of sounds like fun there is a reason that it's on an episode of friends that being said i don't know that i would ever actually bring a date or someone that i'm seeing to work because it sounds like we're now crossing over from awkward to potentially like privacy issues and boundary issues and you already know your coworkers are going to be like oh who's that and if you don't have a good answer like what are you going to do that's that's really awkward and now potentially like boundary issues as well that's concerning and it's not something you can take back like to your point earlier dr scott like you're setting the tone for who you are in that office and you're gonna be the girl that brought her situationship to the office, you know, like that's <laughs> not something I wanna be. Yeah, no, you just legitimately stoked the drama fire that goes around the office and you're gonna be the focus of that drama circle for, oh, quite a while. Uh, to be fair though, the episode of Friends where Ross brings Rachel the picnic, I think it ends in like a fire on her desk and mm -hmm. there's like things that get spilled, like it's, it's, a really good example of like every possible thing that can go wrong and that was why friends was so brilliant but it's a really good episode that shows that maybe that's not the place that you make the romantic gesture you know what i mean if you if you want that person to be able to express how much they care about you then there's a front door to every office like that person can totally meet you there with like a big bouquet of flowers and the picnic basket then and be like hey let's go do this and that's still a very sweet romantic gesture that doesn't cause you potentially to then to be, you know, the focus of everyone's chit chat at the water cooler. In that same vein, though, there's circumstances where I know people say, well, I want my my partner to be able to see what I do. And I want that person to be able to like experience part of my life. And there, the funny part is there's like a bring your kids to work day. And I always wondered, should there be a bring your partner to work day day where everybody brings their partner and it's just this one day where everyone gets to see what someone else does. So to be fair, you know, not everyone would understand what a lot of my job was and it helped that my ex-husband was in a similar related field. So he actually did have firsthand knowledge. So I think it's just something that we have to be careful about. Um, I also think that when we talk about things that create an awkward work environment or put you in potentially the limelight for other people to discuss, my question would always come back to this. Why would you ever do anything that ever lets people at your office talk about you beyond how great you are, how good you are at your job, what a wonderful hard worker you are, how you made this amazing revelation, how they can't live without you? To me, that's the conversation I want to stoke the flames on at my office, not, oh, this is the crying girl, or this is the girl that brought all her drama to work, or this is the girl who spent two hours chit-chatting with everybody else in their office because all the stuff is happening in her personal life. You know, that to me isn't what I want to be known as. And I'm not saying that everyone is like me, but that's always the question I pose to other people. So this is the end of our episode, and I'm going to ask what I always ask, which is what is your takeaway? I think my takeaway comes from one of your statements again, which is there's a front door to every office. And I think that line is really like simple, but it it works for me because that's like a clear boundary of like, okay, when I step out this door, 
that's a different place. And when I'm in the office, it's a different place and it has different rules. If you want to bring a date into, you know, cross that boundary, then that's a choice that you can make, but you have to be aware of what comes with it. And if you want to, like, if you want to find a way to, like, feel your emotions and be the same person you are in the office, there's a way to do that, but with being mindful that you have crossed the boundary of walking through the front door. Yeah, absolutely. Basha? Um, My takeaway would be to whatever you do in the office is to be mindful how other people are going to view that and not to say to always like be super worried about what other people are going to talk like how they're going to talk about me but just being mindful that like your actions are going to cause people to have different opinions about you to just think about if I do this is this the person that I want to be known as or is this the person that I want or is this the way that I want other people to see me yeah those are both really good I mean, I think that mine is kind of just what I said. Just I, ho- I would hope everyone listening, I hope all my former students, all my current students, the professionals that I advise, the people I mentor, I always want to ask them the same question. Like, why would you not want to be known as the smart, brilliant, amazing person you are? Why give someone any other thing to talk about you that isn't those things, right? So it should always be, I'm Basha, I want to be known as this, and these are all positive statements, not I'm anything other than that, or I'm Ananya and I want to be known as a great worker, and these things, not anything other than that. So those are my final statements. Join us for our future episodes of the Postgrad Cheat Sheet, and don't forget to DM us your questions. Thanks for joining us for the Postgrad Cheat Sheet. Click in our description and visit the website to see our upcoming topics so you can submit your unspoken questions. Connect with us on LinkedIn and Instagram at PostgradGG. Cheat Cheat.